0: Hello and welcome to the weekly worship podcast for Fuquay United Methodist Church. We think it's important not just that you listen today, but we would invite you to worship with us today. If you'd like to further engage your faith or the community around you and like to partner with us, please visit our website fvumc.org for more information. Also, we'd love to hang out with you on a Sunday morning, whether that's live, online, or in person. Online on Sunday mornings on our website or Facebook page or YouTube channel you can enjoy the venue with us which is a worship service crafted for community online or you can join our live in-person services online at 10:10 for our contemporary 11:15 for our traditional. if you'd like to worship in person with us we have worship at 9 o'clock and 1010 for our contemporary worship services and 1115 for our traditional worship. At the end of the day we believe that when and where you worship is not nearly as important as that you worship. And so we're so glad to be with you today, worshiping together. Well, hey, everybody. It's great to be together with you today. Um, It happened this week. Uh, I knew if we were preaching on confession and repentance long enough that eventually the chatter would come, even if it's uh, fun-loving chatter. Why are we talking about confession and repentance again? Let's talk about something good. Good news. I know I'm bad. I don't need more of this when I come to church. I get that. I do. I really do. Um, My easy answer to why is that it's Lent. And Lent is a season of preparation. We're preparing our hearts for the good news of Easter. That God is not dead. That God does not slumber or sleep. That God does not need to be bribed or cajoled. But that God is with us. God is for us. God loves us. That God is making all things new. And not only are we recipients of this newness, we are agents of it. We're recipients of God's grace that makes us whole, that heals us up. We also get to be agents of helping God patch the world back together, agents of shalom in the world. All these things are wonderful things, and I look forward to talking about them on Easter. But it seems to me that I always want to pass over the hard parts. Um, And confession is such a beautiful gift that God has given us to invite this work into our lives. And I, for one, am a person who needs it. And I I actually need it regularly. I need it regularly. Um, uh, Someone shot me a video That They felt like summed up where we were, and I could not agree more. Uh, I don't know if your spiritual life is intact, but I would just like to show you what my spiritual life feels like. Um, I'll watch it on my phone. You can watch it on the screen. Here's a shepherd, a good shepherd, who gets down into the mud to help the lamb out of the ditch just to watch this happen. Yes, there it is. I have a propensity, a propensity to Get out to be forgiven, reconciled, set free, set in the right course, and then find myself right back in the same place I was. And apparently, I don't just meander in that direction. I do it with great gusto. When I was looking for that video, I found this one that I like even better. I, uh, you know, get rescued from the ditch, get set up, sent off in the right direction, and then all of a sudden, right back into the same spot. This is like, this is my spiritual life. Like, if you just need to know what my life is like, you've now seen it in action, in action. For all of you pasture people out there, those of you who have found and follow the flock and don't end up in the ditch, one of the 99 that Jesus had to leave to come find me. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. Um, I'm not proud of this. It just is the way it is. Um, But. We're going to continue on in this series, and uh, we've been working our way through this prayer of confession that we pray whenever we pray, uh, when we have communion together uh, as, a, as a church family. So um, if you're in the ditch with me this week, uh, here is the line uh, that we're looking at. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Um, this is, first of all, just language that I would probably not choose to use. I wouldn't encourage you to refer to a person or a group of people as the needy. I don't think it's helpful. Um, It is, however, leaning on some scripture, which is where that comes from. And we'll turn to that in just a second. Uh, This passage, this confession, this line is inviting us to consider what it looks like for us uh, to be good neighbors, right? To love our neighbors. If we're going to love our neighbors, we have to listen to our neighbors so that we know what they need, right? To be good neighbors, we have to love our neighbors. Jesus says that's the second great commandment, to love our neighbor as ourself. Um, I, uh, you know, I believe love is not like just a a notion or a thought or an emotion or a feeling, but that love has to be necessitated, like in some action. It's an actionable thing, right? We've got to make that love real. We've got to make that love tangible. Um, So if we're going to be a neighbor, a good neighbor, Uh, We're called to be uh, those who love our neighbors, neighbors who love our neighbors. And if we're neighbors who love our neighbors, to love our neighbor, we have to listen, to listen to our neighbor. I want you to think about, before we get too much further in a time, when you feel like someone's been a good neighbor to you, when you've been the one in need, you've been a recipient of the love from a stranger or a family member or a friend, someone who showed up and neighbored well in that moment. Maybe it's someone who got you out of a jam. Maybe it's someone who brought you groceries when you were quarantined or soup when you were sick, lent you a tire iron when you were stranded. Maybe it's someone who agreed to watch your kids so you could run some errands this afternoon or go on a date night. Or I don't know, maybe it's someone who got you through on a power bill for the month or helped you, you know, pay for school or I don't know, like got you a connection so that you could get the job you've got. I don't know what it is. Like think about a time when you've received, when a friend came by and just hung out like with no pretext, not there to do anything, just there to sit, sit and be a friend, right, to listen. It feels so good for us to receive this kind of neighborship from other people. What does it look like for us to offer it? To offer it to other people, right? If we want to be good neighbors, we have to love our neighbor. If we want to love our neighbor, we have to listen. Uh, to our neighbor. Um, this passage uh, of scripture is one that I think this line leans on. It's, uh, it's actually one of my favorites because I can feel it. Like I know what it feels like when I read it. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 15. It's when um, God's people are getting ready to enter into the holy land, the land that God has promised them. God's given them uh, the law, right? These rules by which they can live uh, the way that it ought to be, right? When they inhabit the land. It says, if there is someone among you in need, this is the rule. If There is someone among you in need, a member of your community." in any of your towns within the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your needy neighbor. You should rather open your hand, willingly lending enough to meet the need, whatever that need might be. Whatever that need might be. Hard-hearted and tight-fisted. I get that. I know what hard-hearted and tight-fisted feel like. Um, For me, uh, like, I want to be a generous person. It's a desire I have. Um, But uh, when this other thing called scarcity begins to creep in, uh, it sort of combats my desire to be generous. Um, Scarcity can be a very real condition. I don't mean to suggest that it's not. For me, often, and maybe this is true for you, uh, scarcity is, before it's a real condition, it's something that I fear, or it's Um, you know, it's like a a perceived reality, right? In my own life, it's the perception or fear of not having enough. And so um, when I'm in a generous space and all of a sudden that perception, that fear begins to creep in, I can feel myself like tighten up in my spirit, in my emotional self, in my brain, in my heart, like hard-hearted and tight-fisted. I can can feel that, I can feel that. Um, uh, Self-preservation maybe is a good thing, Uh, But this kind of self-preservation, I think, is not as it should be. And here's why I say that. It's just but, you know, verse 4. So three verses before the one we just read, where God says, There will be no one among you in need, because the Lord is sure to bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you as a possession. God's giving this land. If you live the way it ought to be, like if you live by the commandments I'm about to give you, there will be so much blessing at work. There will be enough for everyone. No one will have need. Four verses later, three verses later, God's saying, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is how you're supposed to live. And four verses after that in verse 11, it says, since there will never cease to be someone among you on earth in need, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. Like, God gets that this is a natural propensity that maybe all of us have towards scarcity, towards hard-hearted and tight-fisted. Now, this feels like a financial passage to us. Um, I want to break us out of that mode for just a second uh, because I feel this like scarcity at work in lots of different ways. Um, A a good example of that would be time. When there is a scarcity of time on my calendar, when I have a a calendar scarcity, I feel myself getting hard-hearted and tight-fisted. I get short with people. I may be polite, but not for long, right? I'm going to be like way less likely to sit and listen. I'm going to not spend a lot of time with people. I'm going to be way more detail oriented than people oriented. I'm going to be driven by action items and getting things done rather than I am like hearing and sensing where other people in the room uh, might be. Uh, And so there's like a scarcity mentality that begins to work there. It's a, it's the same recoil. It's the same muscles that I flex. It's the same heart that i clench when we do this when we do this it doesn't just cost our neighbor something it costs us something it shuts us out it shuts us down it turns us away from the others not just that we're called to care about but that care about us we carry it we hold on to it with tight fist and clenched hearts it is not good it is not the way that it ought to be that it should be god desires to free us from that scarcity right When I live with time in a more generous way, I am much more likely to sit with openness on the porch and sip sweet tea while we chat about life, right? There's like a more openness of self, a posture towards the other. I'm much less likely to tell someone else something that's important and much more likely to ask a question so that I get to hear what's important to them. I am a way better neighbor. When I am generous, when I am open-handed, when my heart tends towards being tender, there's another type of scarcity um, that I sometimes feel, and I don't know exactly what to call it. Uh, maybe you can help me think of what it's called, even as we're talking about it together today. Um, yeah, but this type of scarcity feels like there's something invisible, right? That's being threatened, um, and uh, I want to—I think I want to call it place place, the scarcity of place. I, I can see it in myself. Like I can feel it when it's happening. I can see it sometimes in others, like my kids, like when our place in the world is being threatened, uh, when our place in the family is being threatened, when our place in the workplace or in our career, or whatever it is, seems under threat. Uh, we tend to, to get hard hearted and tight fisted or certainly, certainly I do. Maybe, uh, maybe it's a status thing. Maybe it's an identity thing. I don't know. Again, I, I don't really have a better name for it other than a scarcity of of place. Um, but it, it's like if somebody else gets some of it, then I will have less of it. And so I've got to hold on as much as I can to what I've got. Um, and so when someone comes up and they, I feel like there's a threat to it, like I just, I hear myself saying things like, I don't even want to hear it. I don't know. I've heard this before. I don't even want to hear it again. Or like, let me just tell you what you need, right? Uh, Very little compassion, very little grace uh, for the other. Very little understanding and almost uh, no listening. In fact, I was thinking that it's like the functional equivalent of like putting my fingers in my ear and just being like, la, 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 (laughs) la. I'd feel silly, but that's what it feels like, right? That's what this kind of scarcity feels like. To love our neighbor, we have to listen to our neighbor. And I cannot help those that I cannot hear. And I cannot hurt with those I refuse to hear from. There's this line to an old hymn that I've uh, kind of been percolating on this week. Um, it's the hymn is come thou fount of every blessing. And the first stanza, it says, uh, come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart, tune our hearts to sing thy praise. It's as if our hearts have been knocked you know, out of key and they just need to be tuned up a little bit so that they can sort of join Back into the great harmony, that chorus of creation singing praise to God, they just need to be tweaked back into back into tune, back into key um, and maybe that's what's different when i'm neighboring well right when i'm living not with scarcity but with generosity it's not just that i'm listening it's not just that I you know take my fingers out of my ears um, but that uh, my heart is being tuned to Hear their cry, right? It's being tuned into the frequency of their pain, their hurt, their deepest need. At the end of the day, that's that's who I want to be, right? That's who I want to be. I believe that's the way God wants me to be. That's the way it ought to be. And so my prayer of confession today is just to ask God, not just to tune my heart to sing praise to God, but to tune, to tune my heart to be able to hear. To hear the cry of my community, all of my community uh, in need. So I want to ask you some questions before we part our company and before we pray. Um, do you ever get hard-hearted and tight-fisted? Like, can you feel that? When I was saying, I could feel it. Do you know what I was talking about? Like, can you feel that too? I'm curious. Maybe not, pastor people. Um, what does that feel like to you? Like, when do you find yourself doing it? How do you carry that in your own your own body and your own self? And the second question is, um, for you, like, where's, where's that scarcity? Where's that perceived lack or that fear uh, of not having enough? Um, and I'm curious, like, what that costs you, right? Um, I invite you to reflect on these questions as you uh, go through your week, and hopefully all of us uh, together uh, can, can stay out of the ditch. Uh, blessings on you uh, as you journey through this Lenten season uh, together. I would invite you, before we part company, uh, to join me in praying this prayer of confession uh, that we have been praying through together uh, during the season. Let's pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry. Of the needy. Forgive us, we pray, and free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, hear this good news. Even while we were in open rebellion against God, terrible at neighboring, Christ died for us, and that's proof of God's love for us. God heard our cry and came to our aid. And so I can say to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith or the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, and while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the Greater Fauquier area. Um, fvumc.org/give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fauquierine United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing again soon.